1: It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning, still 47 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden, I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. Hey, I'm here to help you be more successful. If you have just had a disappointment in your garden last year, coming up, you're worried you might have it again. Give me a call. I can tell you why, what, where, how, and maybe we'll give you a little happiness into your life. 404-872-0750 is my number. Gene is out in Douglasville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gene, good morning.
2: Morning, Launcher. How are you? I'm
1: fine, Jean. How can I help?
2: Um, I have my backyard sloped down away from my house. Yeah. Not only does it slope down, it slopes sideways towards my next-door neighbor. Yeah. And it's got oak trees in the back, and I have three gone, and I can't get anything to grow back there, so it's mud and leaves, and it all runs off down
1: in the corner of my fence. Right. Uh, Don't if you got dogs and shade underneath the oak tree, don't even think about plants. There's nothing going to work growing underneath there. Just wipe that out. Um, if it has much slope to it at all, so that you have a good bit of water running across that floats mulch down the hill, you're going to have to use something as a terrace. And you can use the manufactured blocks you can get from the big box stores. You can use landscape timbers. You can use whatever you feel like mess- messing with. But you need a terrace to level things up so that it's level and the mulch stays where it's supposed to be. I recognize the dogs are going to dig a little bit sometimes, and that's just going to be the... You know, the trial that balances the love you get from the dogs. So that's what I would do. I would rely more on mulch than on plants in every case if you have a shady backyard. And with dogs? And with dogs, yeah. I've, you can get the chips, you know, from a tree company. They'll dump a big old load of them in your driveway, and then you curse the day you were born having to carry them around in the wheelbarrow to the back of the house. Uh-huh. So just don't think about plants. It's not going to work. So
2: other then leveling it off with timbers and more dirt, that's about the only thing
1: I can do, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And put mulch on top of that, or it's going to be soggy and messy for the doggies. Okay, well,
2: thank you. Have a good
1: day. Straight from the heart, straight from experience and knowledge. That is my specialty. I make sure that I tell you what I think is actually going to work for you. Gene is in Duluth, Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Gene, good morning. Morning, Walter. Hey, Gene, what's up?
0: Hey, Gene, how are you, guy? Yeah. Uh, Holland, pig always getting horse manure. Yeah. Had a guy the other day tell me that the worm medicine they give the horses uh, in the manure will kill the worms in your garden. Whew. True not.
1: Gene, I was telling a friend last night, the wonderful thing, even though I've been on the radio for 22 years, <laughs> always I get a question from somebody on a Saturday, and I think, <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> You're that prize winner today, Gene. All right. uh, I guess that possibly could be true, <laughs> but I qualify that with I guess and possibly. I don't know. I don't have a yeah. clue. Um, the vermifuge you use for horses, whether that is actually toxic to earthworms and whether that would be... um that long, go through it or not. Yeah. yeah, it could be broken down in the soil. It could, the manure itself might break it down pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. the whole... Question of whether or not it does affect the earthworms in, in the soil, I just don't know. That's going to take some research, and I don't can't do it right here on the radio, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, okay. Know. Just thought I'd ask. Okay, man. Ask Have us to Google and get back to me, Gene. I'll see you at one All of the right. remote broadcasts, and you can All ask right, we'll Google and you. tell me what they say. Or Siri, right. either one. Okay. Thanks, Gene. Thanks, man. See you. You get Bye. a question sometimes, you think Google and Siri, let them answer that question. I don't know. Peggy is in coming, Georgia. Hey, Peggy, good morning. Welcome.
3: How you doing? Hey, man? I'm all
1: right. What's so, your question?
3: I've got some muscadine vines that just quit producing. Hmm. And uh, I trimmed them, and I trimmed them. Yeah. They still didn't produce, and this year I just didn't produce. It. <laughs> and then I've got another and another place that it's quitting. Oh. Uh, it's starting to quit producing muscadines,
1: and I fertilize them, too. Well, that the, those two things, or what I was going to suggest, might be the problem, but now you've already told me you do both of those things, prune them and fertilize them. Yes, sir. And uh-huh. I told a guy earlier with his apple trees, I said the goal of any fruiting tree and nut is you got to max maximize the number of leaves on the plant. That's what fertilization does, number one, is it gives the nitrogen that the leaves need in order to expand and be big and full and then trimming and you know how to do this i'm assuming peggy you trim them really severely back almost to the main vine every january and that trimming makes not a new growth. The new growth, of course, has new, efficient green, young leaves on it, and they also maximize the sugar produced. It's not in the shade or anything, Peggy? Uh, no,
3: but now I've been trimming them in February. Somebody told yeah, me to hurt. do them in February.
1: Is well, that- I, I say January because that's the most likely day of having miserable weather, and my dad would always choose the most miserable day of January <laughs> to prune the grapevines, so okay. you carry on in my tradition, but if you want to have a little bit of warmth that February will be fine. Try to try to get it done before the end of February, Peggy. Because if you do it late in the spring, the muscadine vines will bleed. They will drip, 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 drip sap for a, oh, four days after you finish cutting them. It doesn't hurt the plant at all, but it worries people, and I don't want you to have any worry.
3: Okay.
1: So back to fertilization. Uh, go to I tell you what, do go to my website and just type the word muscadine in there, and I have a full-page information sheet on how to grow muscadines, what are the right varieties of muscadines, how to prune muscadines, the whole nine yards, and make sure you're following that when you put the fertilizer down and the okay. scheduling for fertilizer during the year and all those good things. I believe we're going to have some muscadines for Peggy pretty quick.
3: Okay. Okay. Uh, go, go on your, what would you say? dot
1: walterreeves.com.
3: Walter reeves. i get my one of my children to do that yeah i'm sure I, they
1: can if you just I, remember that name say i talked to that man on the radio what's his name yeah. walter reeves, walter, reeves. <laughs> walter reeves.com that's what you tell your kids okay thank all right you. thank you for calling uh, peggy thank good thank talking you. to you okay. 14 minutes past the hour Who's turn next martha is in tocoa and she joins us on lawn and garden good morning hey martha good morning
2: good morning um Last year, or last spring, I bought some t- uh, some tulips, you know, from um, Lowe's okay. containers. Yep. And uh, anyway, I forgot that I had them. Well, I had them, and um, I took them out of that container and put them mm. in, in another container. Anyway, I put them in peat moss, and it, I found them. The
1: other <laughs> <taste>. <laughs> okay. I forgot
2: all about them. And, and then, too, I took out some glads. Uh, glads out of yeah. the ground too yeah. and I found those two and then I said well I wonder if it's too late right now to plant them
1: so Does when when did you initially have tulips that you put into the peat moss that was last spring when was that
2: well no no in the fall in the fall okay
1: uh, the answer is yes now <laughs> two words yes now plant oh, okay. the tulips in the ground they need to be planted in the ground they're not going to do anything for you in the peat moss. And okay. even though it's February, I mean it's January, almost February right now. And even though the time to plant tulips is back in the fall in October, right. Right. all it's going to do if they're healthy still, if they're firm like a like an onion yes. sort of when you mash them with your fingers, yes. all it'll do is make them bloom a little bit later. And then when people in April and late uh, April say Martha, how did you get such late blooming tulips? You right. say, oh, <laughs> just just skill and you know knowledge. I guess that's all it is. Uh, okay. So they'll bloom late, but there's nothing wrong with planting them now.
2: Oh, great. Well, uh, can I uh, go ahead and plant them in containers?
1: Mm, yeah, I guess so. They're going to get chilly in the containers. My preference would be to put them in the ground, Martha. On the ground. I okay. think they'd be better in the ground. A couple of inches okay. deep, plant them in a sunny place, enjoy them in the ground.
2: And the gladiolus, too?
1: Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's a little early for GLADs. They sometimes okay. can get frozen in the ground, and I would hate uh-huh. for you to have saved them for this time and get a real cold snap in late January where it's down to the teens and all the GLAD bulbs freeze. So why don't okay. you wait until, I don't know, mid-March? It's not going to hurt anything to wait till mid-March and plant them then.
2: Okay, that's great. Okay. And Mr. Justice, I mean, you mean like fertilizer or whatever I
1: It would can be put, nice yeah. to put a bulb food. There are a couple of three brands of bulb food. You can go to any nursery just about and find bulb food. Use that. Okay. I don't particularly like I know that grandma used to use bone meal. I know that she did. Bone yeah. meal from 100 years ago and 50 years ago was completely different from the bone meal you see on the shelves today. It, it has less nitrogen and more phosphorus than probably it should And Uh I think you're better off just to use what's called a complete bone meal fertilizer. or Not bone meal, uh, bulb meal fertilizer, sorry. So get something that says bulb fertilizer on the container. Uh Use Uh that. Use that.
2: Okay. Okay, well, great. Thank you.
1: All right, Martha. Thanks for calling. Thank you. 17 minutes past the hour. Coming up in the next half hour, Jennifer in Kent wants to know about Meyer lemon trees, how to keep them alive. Rob in Lawrenceville has a question about pruning gardenias. Chet in Gwinnett County has pecan trees, and they're not doing so well this year. Kevin in Doraville wants to use land for the Christmas tree farm and orchard. Ooh, that's a good question. Pete in Noonan wants to know about maintaining elephant ears. Richie in Kennesaw will talk about his vegetable garden as well. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade,
0: host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
1: And those Christmas trees have hit the street. Sadly, they have gone to the landfill and we have another Christmas behind us. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Not such a great day today. Okay, it's going to be cloudy. It's going to be overcast. It's going to be in the, let's call it the mid-50s this afternoon. It's not bad. It's going to be a little chilly tomorrow. So mid-50s, that's the high for the weekend. Then over tonight, maybe a chance of rain. Temperatures drop down into the mid-30s. Stay tuned. The last most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Kevin comes up right this minute. Hey, Kevin. Good morning good
4: morning sir how are you i'm
1: well how can i help
4: well i recently purchased um i've got a couple uh, lots up near waleska uh, north okay. of waleska one i use for hunting um it's a 23 acre plot plan on retiring there just down the road i purchased uh, about a nine acre lot that um just i want to do something with it yeah um yeah i i could just hold on to it and sell it for somebody to build on later but uh, I wanted to explore other ideas. Um, right. would like to make a profit off it as well, but also something I can tinker around when I retire. It's literally just, just down the road from where I plan on building my retirement home. All right. Um, was thinking about a Christmas tree, small Christmas tree, come and cut it, you know, kind of sure. like a old fashioned family type thing. Uh, something I could grow over the years as a business. Um, also wanted to throw around the idea of an apple orchard, a uh, small apple orchard to right. come and take right. your own apple kind of thing. So let me give you some
1: let me give you some resources yeah. Kevin. One would be the Georgia Christmas Tree Association. Really friendly I, friendly I, people. Yeah, no.
4: I've looked at them they, they seem really great. I was going to ask you about them if they, if if that if you've worked with them before yeah. if that, oh, they gotcha. seem like a real good source of information.
1: Charlie Berry, Barry Christmas Tree Farm out in Covington and really really nice guy and uh, so uh, contact the association or send an email to Charlie at Barry's Christmas Tree Farm. You'll get lots of good information from them as far as doing a edibles kind of farm whether you're growing apples or herbs or some specialty thing. The easiest place, I think, there is to go um, to the Georgia Organics um, website. shucks. Just, just Google Georgia Organics, all right? And talk to Georgia Organics because they have lots of small farmers and lots of advice and lots of um, uh, seminars and a yearly big meeting where people come and exchange ideas for making money on small plots, which is exactly what you want to do. And don't limit yeah, yourself just to uh, fruits and vegetables and plants in the ground. Consider, you know, cows. Consider organically raised um, uh, livestock or something like that, because that's also a possibility. And not last and not least here, Kevin, call the local extension office. They have economists at the University of Georgia whose job is to help people just like you. And you can dial the easy UGA number, which is one eight hundred. Ask U G A one. Just dial that number, Kevin, wherever you are. One eight hundred Ask U G A one. Leave a message for them, and they will call you back Monday and talk to you about small farm economists who can tell you what to do, and make a little money on that plot in Waleska. All right, got it done. It's seven twenty eight at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to to more lawn and garden right after news. 736 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm so happy to be here. I'm celebrating 22 years today on having been on WSB Radio and that has been a great 22 years. I had so much fun and I have continued to have fun every Saturday morning talking to you. It is fun, 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 beyond words to know that these questions come in, that I have a little bit of knowledge that I'm able to sort of put it down where the goats can get it so we can all understand what's going on, even though some of the knowledge is scientific in in its origin. I can maybe translate a little bit to make it so anybody can use it, even me, in my own garden. Jennifer is in Canton, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jennifer, good morning.
3: Good morning, Walter. I have a couple of... uh... Lovely fruit trees that my son bought me. Those cocktail fruit trees. One produces lemons and limes, and then the other is an orange tree. And um, as I've looked at the tags on them, I see they're going to actually get much larger than I think we expected. So I have them in (laughs) fair sized pots, and they are in the garage at the moment. But they did already produce this year, and we got some really nice lemons and. I wonder, can I put them in the ground, in the yard? Will they survive here or not? Not. Not, okay. That's
1: the word, not. That said, I visited my friend Shannon Pable, who is a landscape designer here in Atlanta, a couple of weeks ago. And Shannon had this big, I mean, six-foot-tall, I don't know if it was a Meyer lemon or one other citrus that she had In her garage, and she, you know, had big fruit on it, and it looked great. And she simply puts the big pots onto a cart and wheels it into the garage when it's cold and wheels it back out in the spring. (laughs) If you can do that, you can have Meyer lemon or at least some citrus on your trees and just protect them from the winter cold.
3: Okay, I'm just concerned they're not getting enough sunshine. I brought them in and they dropped most of their leaves and then I took them out during the warm snap. Right. They got the leaves back and now they're bloomed and I've had to bring them back in. Yeah.
1: So, you know,
3: I'm afraid I'll kill them.
1: If you're reasonably handy, Jennifer, or somebody in the family is reasonably handy, go to one of the big box hardware stores and get what are just called shop lights. You know what they look like? Four feet long fluorescent tubes and get three of those and figure out a way to Stand them up on their ends Around your lemon tree So that they're on mm, 16 hours a day Off for uh, the rest For 8 hours And that is going to give you Some supplemental light That is going to be better Than that dark garage You're in right now
3: Okay We do have some Windows in the garage But It doesn't produce a lot of light. Not enough. um, If they're losing
1: leaves, they've already told you the story. They're just saying to you, hey, 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 Jennifer, there's not enough light in here. What's going on? We don't like this. As soon as you take them outside, they'll leaf back up again. But during the winter, if they lose leaves and keep the leaves off for a long time, that's not going to be great for the plant. And those three um, shop lights that you put along around it are going to give a lot of light that they need right close to it, right within two or three inches of the leaves. That's fine.
3: Okay, sounds great. All right. Thank you so much for your help.
1: Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks for calling. All
3: right, sir. Bye bye.
1: We've got Pete at noon in Coweta County joining us on Lawn and Garden. Pete, uh, good morning. Hey, good morning,
0: Walter. A question for you here. I planted some elephant ears last year mm-hmm. and they came in great uh, they grew well you know the leaves were probably four feet long Woo good and I need I need to know what I need to do to make sure they come back because I tried for years and this was actually the first time I've been successful. <laughs> so, I don't know if I got lucky
1: yeah or
0: uh, what I need to do to maintain these so
1: things. the leaves are frosted off of them now aren't they
0: yeah, I, I cut the leaves back probably uh, end of October. Okay, but they they uh, with the warm weather they started growing again.
1: I've got an answer there for was, you.
0: There was leaves probably a foot or so. Uh huh. And the frost killed them again.
1: Go to the dollar store and get okay. a laundry basket—not a huge laundry basket, but a laundry basket that's big enough to fit over the top of your clump of elephant ear corms that are there in the ground. And if there are any leaves, and chop those off. You don't need those leaves right now, anyway. And over that laundry basket, that's over the elephant ear corms, just pile leaves. Go get a whole bunch of pine needles and woods leaves and whatever you can find on the street. Rake them up, pile them up, and you're going to have dry insulation. And that's all an elephant ear wants is dry insulation in the winter time. Wet insulation, not so good. They rot. Cold uh, with no insulation, good. then it's even worse. But if you give them dry insulation, leaves in a laundry basket, you're home free.
0: Well, the area that, that I have not planted uh, stays kind of moist. Yeah, uh, not not like standing water. Um, should I take them up every year or just... Or some just people some do. So they drain?
1: I, I've done that myself. You take them up about the time you cut the leaves off of them and dig and trim off all the roots. There's no reason really to keep the roots during the winter. Put them into a cardboard box and cover around with uh, newspaper. And maybe okay. once in January and once in mid-March, just check them. And if they get sort of shrively looking, you squirt them with water, just a little bit of water to dampen the skin and put them back in the newspaper for the time until it gets warm outside. Middle to late April is when you plant them back outdoors. And if you keep them in sort of a, a warmish place in the house, a closet is great. Not the garage right. and carport where it gets real cold or anything, but in the house where it's a sort of warmish closet. And keep them in there until you plant them in April. And that's the way to keep them up and not to be worried about insulating them outside.
0: Okay. And what about fertilizing? How often and how much?
1: They're pretty heavy feeders. Um, as soon as the leaves have popped up in May, early May, a good feeding then would be great. And you can use 10-10-10, eh, miracle Grow, whatever you want to fertilize okay. a little handful yeah, around ten, it.
0: I'm a 10-10-10 ten, ten, ten guy myself.
1: About a quarter to a half a cup maybe in the uh, spring, and then another quarter okay. to a half a cup sometime in midsummer.
0: All right. Good deal. I appreciate it. And yeah. uh, happy anniversary.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Thanks for calling. That's all righty. Thanks, Pete. We'll see you soon. Rob is out in Lawrenceville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Rob, good morning.
0: Good morning and happy anniversary. Thank
1: you, sir. How can I help?
0: Uh, We have some August Beauty gardenias in front of our house under a window, Mm -hmm. so um, we need to trim them back or prune them back a little bit so they don't cover the window. Uh, they're about seven or eight years old the last couple years when we've done this they haven't come back all that great now we had some snow on them mm, two years ago I guess yeah. last year got really cold yeah so I didn't know if there was anything special um, we kind of waited a little bit because it's been warm so we yeah. were thinking today is kind of
1: a good day to do that. Yeah. The very best time to do the pruning is right after they finish in the late part of the summer, August, as her name implies. So sometime in, I don't know, September would be about right to prune them if you need to prune them for some reason. But that said, it's January. It's not going to hurt them terribly to prune now. The key thing to remember is Prune them on a cold day. I hate to say that, but today is probably cold enough. But if it were 60 degrees today, I would caution you to wait until it's cold again before you prune them because I do not want any kind of stimulation on those gardenias to stimulate little buds to swell. And then comes the end of January and February, and Kirk says, oh, it's going to be 10 degrees tonight. Cover your plants. And those poor little gardenias are going to be real tender if you prune them on a warm day in the wintertime. But if you prune them on a cold day, then they're not going to have near the stimulation and probably will go through the winter just fine, without any covering at all. Okay.
0: Now, the first few years we had them, I kind of used my hedge trimmers and then Um, went back with a hand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to trim things off. My wife's very big on only doing hand trimming. Is there a? Uh, I know you don't like to get in the middle of uh, marital.
1: <laughs> oh, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I will get in the middle of this because I have very different opinions now that I'm older than I did when I was younger. Back when my wife would say, "Do not use the hedge trimmers on those plants. It's bad for them." That man on the radio says, "Bad for them to use hedge trimmers." Look, a hedge trimmer. Is God's gift sometimes. (laughs) I used to call them the devil's tool. But when you have a bunch of things to prune, you do it exactly right. Prune them over the top to get the size reduced and go with hand pruners and remove individual limbs that seem to stick out in different directions and open it up a little bit. That is probably great. Great for the gardenia. Great for the boxwood. Great for other azaleas and stuff like that. I am tired of this hand pruning everything. I'm not doing it anymore. Well, All right. thank you very much. Now you know where I stand, don't you, Rob? I will. I'll make sure she understands, too. All right. <laughs> Thanks for calling. All right,
0: thank you.
1: Yes, marriage counseling and garden consultation. While you wait on WSB, 404-872-0750. And while you wait, I'll give you an answer to a question you haven't even asked this morning. Scott Maxim, though, has. <laughs> has a question about the worth of wood in the landscape. And he asked me specifically today About walnut wood But I had a question earlier this week About pecan wood Can you sell your walnut tree Or your pecan tree To a woodworker Who wants to cut it down And make furniture Or bowls or whatever Out of it And the answer is and probably not. It's not worth it to an amateur woodworker who goes out with his chainsaw and incurs liability if he drops the tree onto your house or your car or something, number one. Number two, he has to cut off all the limbs and somebody has to drag him away from to the street. Number three, he has to get it to his house. Number four, he has to cut it into planks. Number five, he or she has to dry it very carefully and very slowly over four or five years so the planks don't split and then number six, plane them down into furniture grade um, lumber. You can go to lumber places in Atlanta and online and get nice, nice walnut planks that have been dried perfectly, no splits, no cracks, and they look great for not all that much money. Yes, it's more expensive than pine, yes, but you're not going to fund your college education or your children's college education, as my mother did when she planted a walnut when I was about five years old in the field behind the house. She said, I'm going to pay for college for this walnut. Sadly, it did not pay for my college education, yet it still lives to this day and produces walnuts, which we all say, who wants to crack a walnut today? Nobody, because it is hard to get those nuts out of a walnut. Oh, man, it's hard to get the nut meat out. So, if you have a pecan tree, enjoy the nuts, enjoy the shade. Same for the walnut. Watch out below, because those walnuts are hard when they fall to hit you on the head. But as far as selling the wood for lumber probably not going to happen. It's 747. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750
0: WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck mouse weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend, and the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need.
1: Another quick weather update brought to you by Aquaman Security. Look outside right now and you can be your own weather person because it's going to be pretty much like this all day long. A few breaks in the clouds, yeah, but it's going to be warm. It's going to be around the mid-50s this afternoon, so pretty pleasant outside. Periods of sun, as I said, and overnight lows down into the mm, mid-30s or so. Full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Richie is out in Kennesaw waiting patiently for an answer to his question about starting a vegetable garden. Richie, good morning. Welcome.
0: How you doing, Walter? Hey,
1: Richie, what's
0: up? Question for you. We're moving into a house at the end of February that has a backyard that's kind of pitched. Yeah. And a buddy of mine told me in order to start a good garden, one, it's got to be in sunlight, which I knew that. But yeah. he said I might have to make somewhat of a a staircase garden because yeah. of the water, the way it would run down. Is that true?
1: That is absolutely true, Richie. Good friend, he knows what he's doing. Is he a carpenter, perhaps?
0: Yes, he is a
1: carpenter. <laughs> he's building business, isn't he now?
0: <laughs> but uh, other than that, what uh is 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 at the at the beginning of March a good time to start a garden? And do we use do you recommend we use the seeds of, of vegetables and stuff, or actually buy the plant already starting to grow?
1: Let's see. Well, first things first, build the beds. We'll take right. from now till um, probably the end of February to get all the beds built, and then you got to find soil to fill them. We do not use bagged, um, what I just call bagged topsoil for $1.99 at the, at the big box stores. That stuff is not going to work in a vegetable garden. Instead, okay. to fill your beds go online and just type landscape supplies or landscape materials or landscape yard. And there are places who sell very nice, rich landscape um, soil that you can find in yards all over Atlanta uh, that you just go with your truck and you load them up or they will deliver to you. And you fill your beds with that stuff. And you can watch them as they mix the mushroom compost and the chicken droppings into the topsoil. It's really good stuff. And that's what really makes your success going forward. As far as when to plant, you know, we really need to start out with success. Let's start with our plants rather than with seed. And let's start with the plants, the cool season things like uh, lettuce and cabbage and uh, uh, various cool, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, things like that. They can be planted around the middle of March, I guess. They're cold tolerant pretty much in your newly completed beds. And then when it comes to the warm part of April, second, third week in April, you can plant seeds, you can plant squash, you can maybe some plant some tomato plants around oh, that time. She wants to do
0: corn and stuff like that. Is, yeah. that, is that
4: the April, around yeah. April, See, or maybe late, the beginning of May? or Late April, April,
1: late April, middle of May, first of May is fine. You know, Rich, uh, let me give you another resource that you're really going to appreciate. Go to my website, walterreeves.com, type two words in the search line, U G A gardening. Two words. all you have to remember. WalterReeves.com is my website. UGA Gardening. And what you'll find is a list of all these gardening publications from the University of Georgia tell you what varieties grow, when to plant them, how to space them out. Um, Just a wealth of information. Even how to harvest your vegetables. How do you know when things are ripe? You need to know that too. So UGA Gardening at WalterReeves.com. That is going to give you everything else you need beside my Hold-handing or hand-holding here on the radio on a Saturday morning. Thanks for calling, Richie. We'll see you soon. Right now it's 7.57 and one-half. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.
2: And you must be looking very old tonight. The devil will find work for idle hands to do.